I'm your host, Madeline, and welcome to The Courageous Podcast, where you will hear inspirational stories of everyday people who will share how they found strength, hope, and faith in the midst of adversity. Let's get ready to be inspired. Today I have Sergeant Carlos Evans, who was born and raised in Fajardo, Puerto Rico. He is a husband, father, and Marine when he began his fourth combat deployment. While on foot patrol in 2010, he stepped on an IED, losing both legs and his left hand in the explosion. He struggled with depression, anger, and a body that he didn't want until a quiet encounter with God changed his focus. He and his wife started a nonprofit called Touching Lives, Leaving Footprints, where they minister to the whole person, body, mind, and spirit with a Christian approach. Their goal is to serve the many wounded warriors and veterans through teaching that your obstacle today is your stepping stone tomorrow to God's purpose in your life. Carlos, I want to welcome you, welcome you to the Courageous Podcast today. Hi, how are you doing? I'm excited to have you on the podcast. You have a tremendous story. And even in the intro, I was already like getting excited and getting emotional all at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) Even though I've heard your story and you and I have had a great conversation You came to our church many, many years ago and told your story, and you also went to a men's retreat where my husband was. And again, it's just a truly encouraging story, and I'm very excited to have you on. And so, Carlos, take us back to a few of the little details of you growing up in Fajardo, Puerto Rico. (laughs) Well, I grew up in Fajardo, Puerto Rico. I'm the uh, youngest son of Virginia and Jalejito. I have a twin sister. Her name is Carla. My uh, oldest brother, Rafael, who's a pastor today, and Jesenia, my older sister. I grew up. It was a it was a tough neighborhood mm-hmm. where we grew up. But my my mother was uh, very tough on discipline, and uh, she always uh, used to send us to church. So that helped a lot while I was growing up as a kid in Puerto Rico. Um, you said she used to send you guys to church. yes yeah she she didn't go to church but uh she used to send us to church and as time went by the lord answered my prayers and now we all serve the lord together and that's a blessing in my life i'm very grateful for that thank god for answered prayers you know we pray for certain things for such a long time and when they come to pass it's such a blessing in our lives and so for you your walk with god started when you were 14 and you had said that you had an encounter with god tell me a little bit about that and how that impacted your life uh, i remember a, a friend of mine who's a pastor today invited me to a uh, a youth service and i went to the service and i felt kind of empty I was surrounded by many people, but I felt that something was missing in my life. And I remember when the pastor did the calling, you know, to accept Jesus as your Savior. You know, I grew up in the church, but I didn't have an experience with the Lord. And I remember that day I opened my heart to the Lord and I said, Lord, you know, do whatever you want with me. And I surrendered my life to him. And since that day, my life changed uh, completely, everything. And so obviously having God in your life was instrumental in giving you that support and that foundation that you needed growing up. But then you said that for some reason you had a passion for the military and you thought about being a chaplain. Why a chaplain? I had a family that were in the military. 
I lived very close to a military base, and that was something that I always wanted to do. Why a chaplain? Because I found that I could do ministry and serve my country at the same time. And I felt that it was a calling in my life. So I remember I was in Bible college at the time, and I was a youth pastor as well. And while I was in Bible college, I was getting ready. As soon as I finished, you know, I had to do my master's in divinity to, to become a chaplain. And, you know, that's why I wanted to go in as a chaplain, because I saw that I could do ministry in the military. Yeah. I mean, when you said that, being able to serve your country and serve in ministry at the same time, I mean, that's pretty powerful and a great opportunity to minister to soldiers, you know, that are probably struggling and missing their families. And then later in life, we were all impacted by 9-11. And when you experienced 9-11 for yourself, you said that something changed in you and led you down a different path. Tell us about that. I think everybody knows where they were or what they were doing, you know, when 9-11 happened. I remember, you know, just seeing everything the way it was going on. And I remember watching the, the news and the media, you know, after that, Marines and uh, being deployed and just looking at the need. I felt deeply called that I had to be there. And I remember that I was in Bible college and I told my family, I'm going to join the Marine Corps. I'm going to join the military. That's great. And you said that they gave you a nickname in boot camp. <laughs> yeah. 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 I remember when I got to boot camp, they said, oh, we're going to give you a nickname. And they called me pastor. Mm. And, you know, I was like, oh, my God, you know, the, the Lord, it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter where you go. The Lord is always going to do something to let you know that he's there. And that calling in your life is active. That's right. And I can imagine, you know, when you and I were talking, how hard was it to be a Christian in the military? Oh, especially in the beginning, it was very hard because it was an experience. You know, everything was new to me. I was away from home. I was away from my family. But I remember uh, while I was in boot camp that uh, my brother, he wrote me a letter. I keep that letter to this day. In that letter, my brother's telling me, Carlito, I know that whatever you put your mind to, you, you accomplish it. And I know you're going to accomplish becoming a Marine. But I want you to understand that when you wear that uniform, it is you who gives value to that uniform hmm. because of God's calling in your life. We'll never forget that. Hallelujah. And as time went by, I, I went through difficult times, but I always remembered, you know, that God's calling in my life. And he always put people in my path, pastors, chaplains, church, people that helped me in my most difficult times. Hmm. I love when God does that. You mm -hmm. pray and he just continues to put people in your path to support you, even through today in your life. And so let's go to that day that kind of changed your life. You know, in 2010, you're leading a foot patrol and your life as you knew it would be changed forever. Walk us through that day and what happened. I was on my fourth deployment going to Afghanistan this time. I was in Iraq before that three different times. So now I'm in Afghanistan. Uh, May 17, 2010, I was leading a mission and I had with me about 19 Marines and we found some explosions and we were getting ready to go back. And before we left, I remember I was looking at where my Marines were. And when I saw them, I started walking forward and I walked about eight steps. And right there, I heard an explosion. When I heard the explosion, 
immediately, you know, my reaction was, what happened? You know, where, where are my Marines? Uh, making sure everybody is all right. But then I see my Marines surrounding me mm-hmm. and I see them talking to me. Hey, Sergeant, everything's going to be all right. You're going to be all right. We're going to be all right. And what happened was that I stepped on an explosion and I lost both of my legs above my knees and part of my left arm uh, mm. that day. And so you told me that you didn't even feel anything that day. You thought maybe something happened to somebody else because yeah. it was so severe. You didn't even know that it was you. No, at the time, my body was in shock. So when I heard the explosion, my body went to shock immediately. So I didn't feel any pain at that moment. But as my Marines were taking care of me, I had nine tourniquets in my body to stop the bleeding. Mm. I remember my, my medic, he put his thumb on my uh, femur artery, my left limb, to stop the bleeding. And that's when I started feeling a lot of pain. The most important thing, and, and I think the experience that I always remember, is that one of my Marines, his name is Jesse, He's he grabs my face, grabs my head with both of his hands, and he stares at me. All of this in the middle of, of combat, mm-hmm. middle of this crisis, because I was yelling, you know, let me die, let me die, because of the pain that I was feeling right there. And he was asking me, what's your wife's name? And I told him, Rosemary, what are your daughter's name? I tell him, Nairobi Genesis. And he tells me, you're not going to die today. You're going to go home. You're going to go home. You're going to go home. Mm. So he was speaking life in the middle of my crisis. Wow. And I remember that uh, after that, I was about seven days in an induced coma. Mm-hmm. And I woke up in a hospital bed in Walter Reed, Washington, D.C., my husband made a comment to me a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about your story. And I love that you shared that about what Jesse said to you, because he said that you would always taught your men that you never leave your brother behind. But that day you had told them, just leave me, right? Just leave me. He Take didn't listen. I love that you taught them that and he spoke life into you. And because of that, you continue to fight. And you said to me, I mean, my men saved me yes, and they, they saved my life that yes, day. They did. Yeah, And that's right. so powerful for people to hear. And so you wake up at Walter Reed. What was that like? When I woke up, I didn't know what exactly happened to me. I, I knew I was in the hospital and I knew that something bad happened, but I didn't know. So right there, I see my family and I see my wife, Rosemary. When I see her, I ask her what happened. And she tells me that I lost both my legs and, and my left hand. Imagine you in front of your spouse, you know, mm-hmm. looking at your spouse in a hospital bed, missing his legs and his left hand. And when she shared this with me, I couldn't believe it. I was like, no, no, I, I feel my legs. I feel, I feel my hand. Mm-hmm. And she kept telling me, you know, what happened. And then my family was there. At that time, I was grateful to be alive and able to see my wife. And I remember the words of my buddy, Jesse, you're not going to die today. But at the same time, I thought that I wasn't going to be able to be the person that I wanted to be. I wasn't going to be able to be the husband that I promised my wife I was going to be. Hmm. I wasn't going to be able to be the father that I promised my daughters I was going to be. I was never going to fulfill you know, God's purpose in my life because right. here I am in a hospital bed without missing my legs. In my left hand, I felt very broken at that time. That's got to be terrifying to see your life changed 
literally in an instant. And you said the first two years after this happened to you were the hardest and that your wife obviously really stuck by you, but that there was a time when you said to her, I think you should leave me because I'm not going to be able to be that man that I want to be for you. But she said something that was really life-changing and really transformed how you saw yourself. Can you share that with us? Oh, yes. First two years, it was very hard because I didn't want the person who I saw in the mirror. You mm-hmm. know? I didn't accept you know, myself. I didn't love myself. Mm. So I was very depressed. I was taking a lot of medication. I couldn't sleep. I was very angry because I couldn't understand you know, why God let this happen to me. So at that time, I remember one day uh, I was in our apartment in D.C., I was suicidal. Hmm. I'm like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. You know, this is not fair. I had my family, but I just thought that it wasn't even fair for them right. as well. I go to my wife, I'm hopping in the floor, I'm crawling, dragging myself on the floor. And I tell her, uh, you know what? I, I, I want to talk to you. And I remember she's staring at me and she takes a knee and she's at the same level that I am. And I tell her, you know, this is not what I promised you. This is not fair to you. Why don't you continue with your life? And I'll stay here, you know, in D.C., in the hospital. Because we lived two years in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And it was very common. A lot of couples, some spouses, that would just write a letter and leave it there and, and leave their husbands there. That happened. Wow. It was very common. And I remember that day I told my wife, I told Rosemary, you know, why don't you continue with your life? And I'll just stay here. And I remember she's staring at me. And she tells me, you know, I love you. How can you say this to me? I love you. I love you for who you are. And I was like, no, no, you can't love me because, you know, look at all the wounds in my body. And Rosemary, my wife, she's a nurse as well. Mm -hmm. And she tells me, you know what? When a patient goes inside a hospital room with open wounds, the first thing that happens is, you know, the doctor sees him, he cleans his wounds, and then after they close that wound, you know, they go back home and that wound becomes a scar. And that wound is the evidence of what that person went through. That wound becomes the evidence, you know, of a miracle. And she tells me, when I see you, I don't see your wounds. I see your scars. And I see the evidence of who healed you. And that was Jesus. Mm. And if you're alive today, is because God has a purpose in our lives. And I love you for the man that you're today. I love you for the man you were yesterday. And I love you for the man you're going to be tomorrow. And if Jesus is the center of our lives, we're going to make it through. Oh, my God. And I remember that day I just started crying. Mm-hmm. Because till that time, I get emotional. Till yes. that time, I didn't see myself that way. Right. And, you know, my wife showed me this is how God sees me, too. And starting that day, I I just looked at myself, you know, the way she was looking at me. And it gave me closure. It gave me peace. Amen. It's almost like a rebirth, you know, like, okay, Lord, I surrender who I was and who I am today. And I believe in what you're going to do in me and through me on this new journey. Because, you know, we know that a lot of times we don't go through things for us, but God is going to use those things to make us better and to hopefully be a testimony. And you truly have been a testimony in your journey. And so I wanted to ask you, Carlos, what was your motivation to kind of push through this life-changing moment in your life? Well, my motivation was that my Savior also has wounds. Mm. And in Scripture, you see that 
Jesus' encounter with Thomas. And Jesus was there in, in a glorified body, you know, and a lot of people will tell me, oh, don't worry about it. You're going to have a glorified body. You're going to be in heaven and you're going to be complete. You know, you'll be in heaven. Everything's going to be all right. You have a perfect body. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, that's cool. <laughs> right. But <laughs> but as time went by, I look at scripture and I see that that Jesus, when he encountered Thomas in a glorified body, the first thing that Jesus shows Thomas is his wounds. When I see the scripture, I'm like, my Savior also has wounds. And he was wounded so I could be healed. That's right. So right there, you know, that was my motivation. Also, my family, my wife, my daughters, that I had to be an example for that. And God's calling in my life. That he will fulfill his purpose in my life. That in a way, I believe that he trusted this situation in my life so people could know who's my healer. Amen. And, you know, not everybody could overcome something like this. You know, it's sad when you said that if anyone has an opportunity to visit Walter Reed and to really see what these men and women have been through and their struggle and how they still fight just like you did. But I mean, that's sad to think that wives, you know, have left their husbands in this situation. Thankfully, you have an amazing wife that said, hey, I love you in spite of everything and, and how you look. And no matter what happens, I'm going to be by your side. And that takes a lot of strength, a lot of love, a lot of courage. And so when you look back, Carlos, at this journey, is there anything that you think you would have done differently? <laughs> People ask me that question a lot. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? Maybe if you would have asked me this question eight years ago, uh-huh. I would have answered differently. But today, when I look back, I'm going to answer what I told a reporter once. Mm-hmm. What would I do if I'd see myself, Sergeant Carlos Evans, in a hospital bed, you know, without legs and missing his hand? What would you tell him? And I would tell him exactly these words. <laughs> Be patient, because starting today, you're going to live the best days of your life. I hope that answers your question. (laughs) That's powerful. That really is powerful. It's amazing that you can look back and still realize that this was your destiny and that this is the path that God has you on. And I think that if more of us would see that, the journey that we're on and believe that God is calling us to do something greater, regardless of our situation or our circumstance, I think that we could truly, truly change the world and things would be different right, right now. And so I know that you have shared your story for years already. Why do you think it's important to continue to share your story with others? (laughs) Every day I learn something new of myself. And as I meet so many people, everybody that I meet has scars, has Mm. wounds. Some of them, you can see them physically like mine, but some of them are in the heart, in the soul, in their mind. So I believe that everything that we go through, it could be a platform to someone's miracle. That's right. I just believe that I want people to, to see who healed my scars. I was invited to the State of the Union address in 2013 by uh, First Lady Michelle Obama at that time. Mm -hmm. And I was asking myself, you know, why? You know, why? She invited me to sit with her in the State of the Union. And while I was there, you know, I was was in the First Lady box, you know, and the president at that time addresses me. And everybody in that building 
just turn towards me and everybody's clapping, you know, thank you for your service and all that. And I was in shock. Hmm. I was in shock. I'm like, what am I doing here? You yeah. know, what, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? <laughs> and right there in the middle of, of everything, of the sounds, of the clapping, of everything. And I hear the Holy Spirit just speaking to my heart. I brought you here so the world can see who is your healer, who's behind your smile, who restored your marriage. That's the purpose. (laughs) You know, God can take you to places that you never imagined out of this difficult circumstance. You know, I'm sure that you would have never thought while you were at Walter Reed that one day you would be invited to the White House to meet the president and the first lady. But what an amazing part of your story. And the fact that you don't take it for granted, that you know who invited you there. It was God, that he needed you to be there to show that he is your healer and that he is the one that has brought you to that place on that particular day. And so, you know, one of the quotes that you say that I love and that just really touched me is, I am touching more people with one hand and leaving more footprints with no feet. (laughs) And that is like so, so powerful, Carlos. I I need to answer where that quote came from. Yes, yes, yes. Because I was one day in in my house, I was trying to put my prosthetics on, right? Mm -hmm. And I was challenging to put my prosthetics on. And I was going to church, I was going to preach. And I remember I was very sad. And the Holy Spirit is just, just you know, touching my heart and, and, and speaking to my heart. And it was like, why are you, you know, so focused on walking and having your hand and trying to look like who you used to? Mm-hmm. Today, you're touching more people with one hand than when you had two. Today, you're leaving more footprints than when you had feet. Wow. And that changed my life. Mm. What does life look like today for Carlos and Rosemary and the girls? Uh, today we we what life looks like for us it's you know we travel the world just sharing with others who's jesus in our lives i have two little girls a 14 year old and a 10 year old and i'm you know trying to be the the best parent that i can be uh trying to be the best husband that i can be and you know we go through difficult times because people ask me did you forget you know about what happened to you may 17 2010 you know And I'm like, no, I'm never going to forget that experience, you know, the Mm -hmm. pain. Do you struggle with PTSD, anything like that? I'm like, you know, of course, because I lived a traumatic experience. Yes. But I bring it every day to the cross. And when I bring it every day to the cross, I see myself the way Jesus sees me. That in Jesus, we are not incomplete. We are complete because he fulfills everything in our lives. So I love that. So that's that's how I try to live my life every day. And uh, I understand that everything that I do, it can be a, a message to you know whoever I can reach. Well, Carlos, I have one last question. You know, if there's somebody out there that's a veteran, a parent maybe that's out there taking care of a son, a daughter that's been injured, another spouse that's caring for somebody that's ill, that's going through something difficult, similar to what you went through, whether it's in the military or even somewhere else, we know how difficult that could be. What would you say to them to encourage them to continue to push through and partner with this person that is hurting and broken? 
Well, it's two sides. First is the spouse or the caregiver or the parent. In the most difficult time of my life, my wife always looked at me not as a victim. She looked at me for who I am and for who I was becoming. She empowered me. She looked at me, you're my husband and you're the father of my, of my children. Sometimes it could be frustrating. Yes. And sometimes we look at that person, you know, as a victim, you know, that doesn't help. The Lord put a lot of people in my life to encourage me. It's very hard for someone to accept that they need help. And, and sometimes today, you know, it's very hard to accept that you need help. There's always got to be someone in your life that has to give you, you know, some tough love <laughs> <laughs> and tell you, you know, you need to make these changes in your life because if you don't, you're going to lose your family. You're going to lose your life and show you, you know, what are the important things that are around you, your family, your children, life. And there were people in my life that directed me to that. So I looked for professional help. I looked for my pastors, my church, my community. And that, that has helped me a lot to where I am today. And I'm recognizing that I cannot do this by myself. That's right. I wouldn't be here talking to you right now. I can't do this by myself. Mm. And that's hard to accept. And, you know, you're talking and I'm thinking about that. That's hard for anybody that's yes. normal, right? We mm -hmm. think like, I got this. I'm a super man. I'm a super woman. I can do it. I don't need anybody. I don't need help. And come on, we all need help in life. We all struggle. We all, like you said, there are scars that are seen and unseen that we need help with, but that those things don't have to define us. And so, Carlos, you recently, you and Rosemarie just launched a book about your amazing story. Tell me a little bit about that and about your nonprofit. We launched this book. It's called Standing Together. Together with Cecil Murphy. Cecil Murphy is a New York Times bestseller. It's standing together because through our path, we learned that standing has to do not just standing with your feet, you know, standing for what you believe in. That's right. And right there, we share, you know, very detailed, very uh, transparent, our lives, everything that we went through in, in detail. And it's been touching many people, a lot of you as well, and, uh, and couples. And it's been a blessing. It's a word that we got from the Lord and the Lord just opened the doors and here it is, uh, standing together. Amen. And we, we opened our nonprofit it's, uh, called Touch in Life, Leaving Footprints. And what we do through our nonprofit uh, is we help anyone that needs in need of prosthetics, in need of uh, any adaptable equipment to make them, you know, have better quality of life. Amen. I love that you're giving back, that you went on this journey, that you struggled, you know, you and your wife, and that now you can look back and say, hey, these are the things that we went through. This is how we can help other people on their journey to hopefully make it a little bit easier to kind of learn from your mistakes, your struggles, your pain, and help other people smile and look at their lives differently. And so, hey, if there's anybody out there that is excited about Carlos's story and it's encouraged you, hey, go to Amazon and order the book today. Don't wait. <laughs> it's truly powerful. I know it's going to continue to bless you or buy it for someone else that you know needs this type of encouragement. And so, Carlos, how can people connect with you and Rosemarie? Oh, you can visit our website. It's crevans.org. 
crevins.org and that will direct you to our social media. Everything is right there on our awesome. website, crevins.org. And you can always, you know, invite me to dinner to Red Lobster or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's actually one of my favorite places. So that's good. That's good to know. If you're ever in town, the four of us need to go to dinner to Red Lobster and us. <laughs> I love it. Well, Carlos, this was such a very different type of story. Very chill, very encouraging and enlightening. And I feel that anyone can relate to the story. Whatever situation you're in, God can make a way. And that's truly what your story is. No matter what we've been through, God is still in the business of healing and of using us through our struggle in our mess and that there's hope in our future. And so I want to thank you. Thank you for being on the Courageous Podcast today. I pray continued blessings over you, Rosemary and the girls, and that God will continue to use you as you minister to people through this nonprofit and now through your book, which hopefully will continue to reach the nations for Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hey, Courageous Community. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope you were encouraged today. If you have a courageous story or want to connect with today's guest, email us at courageouspodcast2020 at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Courageous Podcast. Until next time, continue to be strong and courageous.